Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardis, and today we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, this New Orleans Saints quarterback competition. I'm coming to you recording from Myrtle Beach. I got a beautiful beach right outside this room. I'm looking like a lobster, so YouTubers out there, take it easy. I understand I don't have good skin for getting tan. One of these years, though, don't call it a comeback. But let's talk quarterback battles, and this is Honestly, the single biggest training camp battle, regardless of, of position throughout the NFL landscape ahead of training camp, because look, whoever wins this is going to potentially shake up fantasy football leagues of all shapes and sizes. We have Jameis Winston, Tampa Bay gunslinger, got LASIK. Ceiling is the you know roof for this guy. And we got Taysom Hill, whatever the hell he is. Sean Payton loves him. And if Sean Payton loves him, well, fancy football manager should probably love the guy as well, as annoying as some of his vulture tendencies have been over the years. But I just want to go through both quarterbacks, fancy aspirations, and we'll get out of here in a cool 15 or so. So first of all, with Jameis, one of the uh, metrics I made in my breakdown of Drew Locke, because for those that don't know, I am a Drew Locke apologist, and I was trying to find something to make him look good. And the stat I came up with was this entertainment index. Basically, I took a quarterback's rank and big time throw rate and the rank and turnover worthy play rate. One to see who had the largest difference, you know, what guys were making really great throws, but also making really awful plays. What guys make you for better and for mostly worse, perk your head up when you hear their name called out on red zone. And Jameis Winston is assuredly one of, if not the top uh, type of those guys. So 2020, our champion was Drew Locke, runner up Patrick Mahomes. In 2019, though, Mr. 30 for 30 himself, Jameis was the champion. Runner up was Matthew Stafford. Before that, Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2018, Deshaun Watson in 2017. I, I love the stat because again, not necessarily something you want your favorite team's quarterback to be a part of, but as someone that does watch every single game, every single week, I, I, I wish every quarterback was, you know, quote unquote elite and just could lead top 10 offenses that can't. So I'd rather take a quarterback that at least flashes some highs with the lows than someone that is just low all the damn time. And that is not Jameis. I mean, that 2019 season, you know, I'm sure Buccaneers fans weren't thrilled to seven to nine record, but league lead in passing yards with 5,109 league lead with interceptions with 30 boasting an asinine 10.9 yard average target depth around the way. Jameis Winston, again, for a lot of the lows also mixed in some highs in that 2019 season for the ages. Can't wait to tell the grandkids about that one. One day I would just say though, we might be overrating how good Jameis has been because of some of the gaudy counting numbers he's been able to put up with this limit limitless leash. He's been afforded over the years. You know, your number one overall pick, you're going to get a lot of chances to screw up and, you know, credit to Jameis for really making the most out of those as a whole that we've seen him be, far more close to average than I think a lot of us, including myself, uh, initially thought. Looking at 123 quarterbacks with 100 dropbacks since 2015, which is when Jameis entered the league. Jameis ranks 32nd in PFF passing grade, 44th in quarterback rating, tied for 43rd in big-time throw rate, tied for 89th in turnover-worthy play rate, tied for 15th in yards per attempt, and 84th in adjusted completion rate. He does hold the fourth-highest average target depth. That's not like... It's not a skill, though. It's not something that we should be rewarding players for. It's just how they go about playing the position. I love when a quarterback throws downfield more. It's incredibly more entertaining than someone like Jimmy G, who's, you know, 
tapping the ball six inches ahead and letting Debo Samuel do all the work. It's also not necessarily something we should be letting, you know, cloud our opinion of a player when it comes to them being a good versus bad quarterback. So that's Jameis, you know, first flaws, we do see some highs, but man, a lot of, a lot of flaws along the way. And I, I am a skeptical that we see Sean Payton, you know, now not having to worry about the fact that, Hey, my organization spent a number one overall pick on this guy, or we gave him a big contract when it just comes down to who's the better quarterback. I'm not not so sure Jameis is going to be able to win this battle against a lot of the, you know, leagues, more quote unquote, average signal callers, million dollar question. Does that describe Taysom Hill, who, even if it wasn't pretty last year and believe me, it was not pretty for Taysom as a quarterback, he still did find himself ranked fairly high in some of these, uh, you know, just more general quarterback metrics. He finished tied for 11th among 44 qualified quarterbacks in yards per attempt number one and adjusted completion rate. Taysom Hill and accuracy are not supposed to go together. They did last year. Now, these are just two stats. We see he was number tied for 34th in term of worthy play rate, uh, tied for 40th in big time throw rate and 29th in PFF passing grade. So again, we don't really care how the numbers come in fantasy land. We don't get extra points for style points. It's why like Jalen Hurts being a generally horrific passer last year. Well, he threw for over 300 yards twice. So who cares how uh, he gets the yards as long as he gets it in fantasy land. And that also applies to Taysom Hill. I mean, he had this throw. It was his longest completion of the year, but oh my God, maybe the worst throw like of the season. Emmanuel Sanders breaking away downfield. Poor Emmanuel Sanders. Every time the guy gets wide open on a post, his quarterback messed it up. Somehow Manny Sanders catches this ball, but he had to put the brakes on at around the 10 yard line, sprint back upfield to like the 2025 in order to catch this ball. This was after Taysom Hill did like a double, triple crow hop to even get the thing down there. So a lot of examples where you could, you know, pull the film up and say, wow, this guy does not look like a professional quarterback. A last three and one record as a starter ended up putting up some, you know, good numbers himself as both a passer and a rusher during the stretch. And again, as far as fancy is confirmed, he was more than fine. Overall, ripped off QB3, QB11, QB7, and QB9 fantasy performances in his four weeks under center. More importantly, arguably 16-game rushing pace extrapolated from those four games, 156 carries over the, a whole potential season. So Taysom Hill, while it wasn't pretty, it wasn't too far removed from what we've seen Jameis do in arguably better situations, looking at all those receivers he had in Tampa Bay. And yeah, I think Taysom, you know, for all his faults, not someone that has, you know, called him, uh, you know, Tim Tebow without the Heisman that goes to a different church uh, on Sundays. I just think that Taysom, for all his faults, has the look of, you know, a 31-year-old quarterback who might be a little bit better than uh, people credit for now the question who do we really want to win this job because right now both quarterbacks are more or less free and uh you know your underdog drafts and i'm assuming redraft as well in fantasy land and the absence of michael thomas is really i think more impactful for Jameis and what he could bring to the table. I mean, losing Thomas for it sounding like a minimum of four weeks, a maximum of something like 12. That's all terrible news. People Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, you know, Callaway, Chris Hogan. I think they just signed Tommy Lee Lewis again. There's a few guys where, okay, maybe we could see them being okay, but they've always been okay in the context of having a true alpha on the outside to take away the majority of that attention. This year, they don't have that. So I still love Adam Troutman, still love Alvin Kamara, you know, particularly with Kamara no longer having, you know, to really fight over the number one receiver job. He, Alvin Kamara is the league's, depending on how McCaffrey looks with Joe Brady and Sam Darnold under center, 
Kamara might be the league's last remaining running back that is also his team's like undisputed number one target getter. So Kamara is fine in fantasy land, but I just think losing Thomas, that's terrible news for Jameis, who I mentioned this before. He's been an average real life quarterback, which I think people understand. He's really been mediocre as a fantasy quarterback as well. Even in 2019, he was the overall QB three. But as we've talked about in this podcast, a lot of times those overall numbers just come from starting 16 games in 2019 as a whole, he was actually only the QB eight in fantasy points per game. 2018, Jameis was the QB 15, 2017, QB 18, 2016, QB 20, 2015, QB 19. No longer has Mike Evans, Chris Goblin, Adam Humphreys, Deshaun Jackson, OJ Howard, no longer has any of these guys to throw the ball to. And when we have Taysom there, who we can expect to overcome this because he runs the ball so much, it pains me to say this, people. We should want Taysom Hill to win this job before we wanted Jameis to win it so he can enable Kamara and Thomas better. But when you take Thomas out of the picture, I really think it leaves you with Kamara balling out regardless of who's under center. And then it's just like, okay, do we want two likely high-end fantasy assets, those being Taysom and Kamara, or do we want one with that being just Kamara? Because if Jameis comes under center, it's not like we're going to see the last of Taysom. No, if we're going to see a two-quarterback system of sorts, I think it's going to be with Jameis starting. We're not going to see Jameis spelling Taysom uh, for extended stretches of time. So if Taysom wins that job, I think then we can be confident that assuming the wheels don't fly off, which they could, we're getting the Saints full-time starting quarterback. I don't feel the same way about Jameis. So maybe the LASIK just fixes everything. Maybe Jameis having the year off, you know, Sean Payton tutelage and all that. But man, people, it's tough. Bruce Arians, quarterback, whisper he, he could not whisper loud enough for Jameis uh to hear so maybe we'll work on the hearing next I just don't see the upside with Jameis as a fantasy asset to pull this off does he give the Saints a higher team ceiling I would think so the way they were using Taysom in those four starts it was reeked of gimmick and just I don't know if that's going to you know be plausible to run your offense 17 games but again for fantasy purposes I just think Taysom Hill gives us the best chance of having a QB one that right now is going in the late 20s and I think Kamara will be good either way so Taysom Hill I think is one of the best final round picks you can make right now in fantasy drafts because he's completely free and everything we're hearing out of training camp is this is a legit competition between Jameis and Taysom with both guys seemingly making their claim uh, you know on just depending on the day. So Jameis, if he wins this job, I think it's still going to be tough to treat him as more than a top 15, top 16 fantasy quarterback. And that might be generous. If Taysom wins it, we're going to have to probably squeeze him in that top 12 sooner rather than later. So draft Taysom Hill in the final rounds of your fantasy drafts. And, you know, even in best ball, like we do have to consider the amount this guy plays on the goal line receiver and even tight end and stuff. Like if you look at his weekly finishes last year, He's still giving you these like mid low 20 games, even when he wasn't starting at QB. So you're probably losing that week regardless. I'm just saying it's nice having your QB two or QB three and best ball land be able to, you know, give you five, six points potentially even in games where he's not technically a starter. We can't say that about any other backup quarterback throughout the league. So I think just again, based on, you know, your risk and cost uh, for acquiring Taysom in these final rounds, I think he's a fantastic pick, particularly in tournaments where you're just hoping for something funky to happen in the first place so Jameis someone that we just need to get off because of the situation Taysom Hill ah, please win the job and you know I'll say less mean things about you on Twitter so that's gonna wrap up this edition of the PFF fantasy football podcast before we get going though people I just want to say if you didn't know this already fantasy football season is here 
and nobody can prepare you better for your draft than PFF. For just $9.99, get access to PFF's fantasy football draft guide, my player rankings and projections, along with everyone else's, all of PFF's locked article content, cheat sheets for your fantasy draft, and more. Again, that's PFF's fantasy suite for just $9.99. Draft smarter than your league mates this season. And people, if you want to use that and go make some money yourself, I invite you to go check out Fantrax. I absolutely love Fantrax. Fantrax's free fantasy football league manager is the most customizable, easy to use, and feature-rich platform platform the entire industry pff is gearing up to play our leagues on fan tracks this season if you're coming from another site that has no problem fan tracks can import any of your current leagues completely free sign up and play now at fantracks.com pff and get a chance to win a trip to any regular season game this year for you and your entire league make your league on fan tracks and then head out to a free Las Vegas Raiders game with your buddies. That's fantrax.com slash PFF, the home of fantasy sports. Man, people, fantrax, go see a Raiders game. Like that has to be the single best destination uh, game to go to these days. I'm not sure what tickets are going to be costing, but hell, you know, if you go and go, go sign up with fantrax.com slash PFF, then you'll get that, you know, trip free anyway. Now I don't have to worry about the cost. So I haven't made one out for that. I've been to Vegas uh, before. 2020 came around i was going probably four or five times a year because i can't get enough of that big fight feel when you see a ufc event down there i mean i would say ufc fights and mma in general don't want to be too much of a casual here mma fights and hockey games i think are the two sporting events that i just think are worth paying for to see live something about the physicality and the air you know having all that ac and the ice going on you know you're not getting too hot just uh being out there and you know seeing adult professional grown men badasses hitting each other. There's something about it. Same thing with football. But when you go to a football game, I just feel like the view's not as good. There's a lot of dead time. And, you know, we want to watch Red Zone, which is the best television product out there. So that's for that ramble. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes every single day throughout the summer. We'll be back tomorrow with more goodness. And I also invite you to check out the team preview series that Andrew Erickson and myself have been recording here, uh, usually on Wednesdays and Thursdays over the past few weeks. So I'm Ian Hardison. Until next time, take care, everybody. 